Welcome in, everybody, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports in Tuscaloosa at 102.9 FM, the Talking Tide podcast, available at our web host at Podbean.com. Also get it on various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And with that, Travis, a, a lot to get into. To, uh, some some hot news with regard to uh, the Alabama coaching staff, as well as some Alabama players uh, declaring they're going to head on to the NFL draft a year early. Uh, first, though, we've not had a chance to podcast uh, since uh, the disaster that went down in the national championship game against Clemson. So, of course, uh, we'll recap that uh, quickly. Travis, uh, I guess we'll call it a, a, a quick autopsy. Uh, of that game, 44 to 16, uh, Clemson runs away with it. Biggest margin of uh, loss uh, for Alabama uh, since Nick Saban arrived. Yeah, you know what it kind of reminded me of, Chase, and we're old enough to remember this. Except it was more about the passing game than the run game. It was kind of like that trip that the Florida Gators took out to Tempe, Arizona, for the Fiesta Bowl after that 1995 season and met the the, the powerful Nebraska Cornhuskers at the time with Lawrence Phillips and Tommy Frazier yeah. and those guys and that offensive line. It was kind of the dismantling that we saw, you know, I guess that's 20, 23, 24 years ago now. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing thing to see play out in front of us. There's no doubt about it. You go all the way across the country out to Northern California. You made the you trip. Dra- yeah, you drag fan bases, media, everybody else, uh, and then you don't get much of a game, at least for the final quarter, quarter and a half or two quarters. And you got to give Clemson all the credit. I mean, you can look at one stat, really, and it sums it all up. Third downs, Clemson was not just efficient – Clemson was devastatingly dynamic on third down. Ten third down conversions for 254 total yards, 240 of which came through the air on the arm of Trevor Lawrence and those outstanding receivers. Meanwhile, Alabama 4 of 13 on third down, and then you combine that with the two interceptions from Tua Tagovailoa, and probably not all that uh, unreasonable to think we got the outcome we did. Clemson, Alabama, five next year. Is it? It's conceivable, right? I mean, tongue of a low returning, Lawrence returning, offensive weapons returning, especially on the Alabama side. Uh, it's a long way off, obviously. A lot has to go down. But uh, we can see it again next year with these two quarterbacks. It's easy to think that. I think it's easier for Clemson and, and Dabo Sweeney to be able to think that way and even say as much uh, as Dabo is pretty much – become want to do um you know for Alabama you know you still have some 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 upgrading to do obviously on the defensive side of the ball and then schedule wise you know we talk about expanding to an 18 field Alabama's already in an 18 field chase with that SEC championship game and Georgia not going anywhere Florida on the rise over there in the east Alabama's already in an 18 field you know you can look at Clemson and and say it's almost a two-team field you know, it's almost like Clemson's still in the BCS era because look at what Clemson had to do to get there this year. You know, I mean, look at yeah. that league this year. Look at Notre Dame and the semifinal. That was the it was BCS era for, for Clemson to get there. For Alabama, it's it's the next era 
beyond even where we are right now. Unless you can lose and still go, yeah. you know. And I mean, I mean, did you buy the chatter before the SEC championship game that had Alabama lost that game, they'd still be yeah. in there? I bought it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I could see it, but I, I don't know if you can count on that. You right. know, if you're well, you got to have a goose egg in the loss column, or, you, or that's first and foremost if you're going to be in that position. Yeah, if if you do that, then you're entirely putting your fate into somebody else's hands. Um, And so the competition level, I guess, is what I'm talking about more than anything. Before you ever even get to the college football playoff semifinals, you're playing a round of eight game that could in some years actually be the national championship game in early December instead of mid-January. Yeah, yeah. Bananas. All right, we move on quickly uh, to the coaching staff, Travis, and the turnover there what continues. Staff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty much at this Oof. point it's easier to name the guys who've stayed uh, than the list of guys who have moved on. The latest, Travis, Dan Enos moving on to the University of Miami. Uh, your thoughts on on the latest one first, and then we'll kind of look at the bigger picture of it. You know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised anymore in terms of how things work in the coaching business, especially at this level. But I got to tell you, based on what I knew from the last 24 to 36 hours, I was still somewhat surprised to see Dan Enos up and uh, make the move to the University of Miami. Now, we'll get into some potential scenarios that, that might have gone into all this, and there are so many, we don't have time to cover them all. But I can tell you this, Chase, 24 hours ago, Dan Enos was involved in the hiring process of potential staff hires on the offensive side of the ball. I'm talking about sitting in on interviews, okay? Not just in terms of maybe giving his stamp of approval or at least that being the perception by those in the process, but he was involved. So there wasn't much of an inkling, at least outwardly, uh, as of yesterday, that Dan Enos wasn't going to be Alabama's offensive coordinator in 2019. So I got to say, I'm still a little bit surprised, again, considering that with Alabama and Nick Saban in the process of moving forward after losing Brent Key, or Brent Key moving on to Georgia Tech, I don't know if Nick Saban ever really looks at it as losing an assistant. They just kind of move on. Um, Josh Gaddis taking a promotion at the University of Michigan as offensive coordinator, you know, Alabama is, is, is into that next phase already. You know, Brent key wasn't announced as officially a part of the Georgia tech staff, uh, probably 10 minutes before guys were being interviewed for staff jobs, um, at Alabama. So yeah, from that standpoint, it it did catch me a little bit off guard on Friday morning when the news started to break that, uh, Enos was headed to Coral Gables. We've seen a lot of turnover on Nick Saban's staff since he's gotten to Alabama. Uh, he's never had an offseason where he hadn't lost at least one guy. Uh, but, you know, two to four, I guess, is probably the, the – the, maybe not the typical range, but the range maybe Saban would prefer. Uh, but now this – remember – the 2018 coaching staff, last year's staff, had six new faces on it, Travis. Uh, and then now this one, it turns around the very next year, you've lost uh, half the coaching staff. Uh, with a, and on the offensive side, of the, the offensive sides of the staff is gutted. Uh, defensive side, not so much. But when you have yet. back to – Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when you <laughs> – Nick's when, working his way over. <laughs> 
<laughs> when you have back-to-back you guys, years. You guys are on Saturday. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I hear you. No, I, I know what you're getting at, right? The 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 turnover. I mean, even by Nick Saban standards, the, these last, uh, uh, what, 12 months, I guess you could say. Uh, it, it, it's excessive, right? It is. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to name the last time. I mean, what is it? Ten they've lost over over two years at this point. Ten or eleven, six yeah. last, six last. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to find ten or eleven departures on one staff in in, in a similar circumstance anywhere else. Uh, but uh, it's, it's something Saban's uh, used to, and and he doesn't fear it at all because uh, he knows he can go out oh. and get the next best guy. Uh, but but you still got to wonder a little bit about continuity, don't you, Travis? I mean, doesn't count new, continuity count for anything anymore? You would think it would, um, but but I'm gonna. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think there's one person, one staffer, in that building over there that has pretty much been deemed untouchable at this point, Chase, and that's Scott Cochran. That's it. His strength and conditioning guy. I think that's the guy that is most uh, close to being regarded at Saban's level and in terms of importance to Nick Saban because he is the guy that Nick hands this team off to for about a quarter of the year. And it's Scott Cochran's program during that time. And Nick Saban takes great comfort in knowing that during that time, he doesn't have to worry about a thing. Scott Cochran's got it. It's all good. Now, you got to be careful with some of that. As, as we saw at Maryland not not too long ago, tragically. But, you know, Cochran's track record and what they've been able to do together, said it before, I'll say it again. If Scott Cochran leaves Alabama at some point, that's when you can start the retirement clock countdown for Nick Saban. Because talking with those who, you know, are, are close to, to that type of situation, that's the overriding belief, is that if Cochran ever leaves – Nick Saban won't be all that far behind. And he's warded off offers for Cochran before and, and kept him with, with uh, some pretty big salary jumps. I don't know of another strength coach that, that uh, brings home more than Cochran does. If there is, there, there can't be more than one or two. But, but Saban's always kept him at the top of the salary bar for that role. No doubt. Now, and, and it brings up another interesting point. How many guys in the past has Nick Saban really gone above and beyond for? When it's come down to it, Chase, how many guys? Kirby Smart? Smart. Smart for Jeremy sure. Jeremy Pruitt? Jeremy Pruitt, I, I would put on that list. Yeah. Scott Cochran? Maybe Tosh Lapoy last year? I mean, really, when you look at all these guys that have come through this program in the last 12 years, is, is there more than a handful that, that Nick has said, look, I got I to gotta go well above and beyond? to keep this guy i i don't think he does i don't think it's that nick saban doesn't understand the value of each and every he hires them so obviously he gets it but if if it comes down to a situation where you know he feels like he's being leveraged or his feet are being put to the fire there aren't many guys that nick saban hasn't just let walk right right And, and that's what's interesting about this enos situation because there was so much talk that it was a given that Dan Enos was going to be the next offensive coordinator. And again, up to 24 hours ago, based on how things were working, I would have agreed with that. Um, but there's dynamics to a coaching staff. Nick Saban 
wants the dream scenario in every aspect of his program, Chase. And that includes his coaching staff. He's greedy. He's greedy. And if he can try to finesse it and massage it in a way like he did offensively this last year, that was the, the optimum staff for Alabama going into the hiring process a year ago. To get Gaddis in here, to get Dan Enos as a standalone quarterbacks coach, Chase, have Mike Loxley as the offensive coordinator. You had your offensive line coach back in Brent Key. Panunzio graduated into the running backs job for Burton Burns. That was ideal. He's looking to do that each and every year. Now, there are guys, and I'm not saying this was necessarily the case with Dan Enos, but, you know, there are offensive guys especially, if they're going to be the offensive coordinator, they want to be the quarterback's coach too. With this 10th on the field uh, position, you know, now you can have a standalone quarterback's coach. I don't think Mike Loxley probably even liked that this past season, you know, not not having his hands directly on the quarterback's. Um, although I'm sure he was a big assist in working with Enos from that standpoint. But, you know, there's just different things you have to consider when things like this happen. The outside perspective is, wow, Saban's losing another assistant. Another guy doesn't want to work for Nick Saban. What I'm telling you is, more often than not, Nick Saban doesn't get in the way of a lot of these guys leaving. And the, the effectiveness with which they recruit, I think, has a lot to do with that. I mean, I, I think back now in the wake of this week and this, this uh, news of more turnover on the Alabama staff here in mid-January, I think back now to mid-December when Saban was asked what he thought about that early signing period and what he learned from it in year one. He said, well, one thing I figured out was we didn't sign enough guys in the early period because we got hurt when some coaches left on the back end. Uh, and sure enough, they increased the number of guys that they signed in December. I think that number was 22 or 23. And before the traditional signing day in early February, bang, more coaching turnover. I mean, he's, he's, he saw it coming. Yeah, I don't think it's over either. I think there's one or two on the defensive side that you could see move on. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking this is kind of the, the the settling of the dust from the latest turnover, uh, don't be surprised if, if on the defensive side there's at least one uh, that, that I'm hearing is, is, is very likely uh, to be moving on, but uh, possibly as many as two. Who knows at this point? I, it, it isn't wise to put a finite number on – on a Nick Saban turnover of a coaching staff because in more instances than not, if you do that, you're going to be really surprised. Uh, cork's not in the bottle till spring practice, it feels like. I know. So. <laughs> or, or at least uh, after that, that last signing day. And you said it. I mean, that's a big part of it too. And that's where, uh, you know, if you're Alabama, you, you feel good about what you were able to do and why you had to do what you did leading up to that early signing period because with all this turnover in the previous setup with just the single signing day in early February yeah wow yeah and now look it was different right then Chase because we didn't hear about a lot of these changes until after that first Wednesday in February but now with the early signing period we're getting it throughout January yeah Uh, as we close out thoughts about coaching news Travis we would be remiss uh, not to extend some congratulations for a guy we both know, uh, former Alabama quarterback Freddie Kitchens gets the head coaching yeah. job with the Cleveland Browns. What about that? Uh, 
No, it, it, it's it's a little hard. It was never hard to picture Freddie as a as a as an assistant coach, uh, but uh, head coach, head NFL coach, is it it takes a little wrapping the the arms around it. Timing is everything, and Freddie was in the perfect place at the perfect time with the perfect quarterback in Baker Mayfield. You know, if Brady Quinn is in that spot as the quarterback for Cleveland, uh, Freddie right now is is looking for a position job. You know, we might be talking about Freddie <laughs> as a position coach at Alabama uh, right now. And that's not to discount the work that Freddie did uh, with Baker Mayfield because uh, Baker's raved about it. And, it. and it obviously was very, very good work. So Finally won some games this year. That yeah, team. He, he's, he's deserving of this. There's no doubt. But again, it just goes back to the importance of timing and, and opportunity as it relates to that. Freddie got his shot, made the most of it, and... Here you go, from Atala, Alabama, all the way to the National Football League. You want to talk about, yeah? You want to talk about a meteoric rise? How many years ago was it that he was a GA for Saban at LSU? Saban was at LSU from what 2000 to 2004, uh, and here it is, 2018, and he's gone from LSU GA to NFL head coach. It's not that it, it's 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 a it's a quick. I mean, he he really progressed fast in the business. Well, just look at a year ago. I mean, he was part of Bruce Arians' staff, his former offensive coordinator at Alabama with the Arizona Cardinals. Arians decides to take a break. Um, you know, and, and Freddie's trying to catch on somewhere. He, he lands in Cleveland. Uh, Hugh Jackson gets the, the pink slip into the season. Uh, Freddie gets promoted to uh, offensive coordinator because your boy Todd Haley uh, was, was let go. I mean, think about the dominoes that had to fall the right way yeah. for Freddie just to get the opportunity this season and then to make good on it. It's it's an incredible story. It really is. Yeah, who, who, Hugh, gets, uh, Hugh got out of there. I, I forget which week of the season it was, but uh, Kitchens got promoted to uh, that interim OC role, and all of a sudden uh, there seemed to be some more chemistry with that Brown's offense, and uh, obviously he interviewed well, and and bang it, there you go. Uh, head coach Freddie Kitchens, Cleveland Browns. The Talking Tide podcast moves on. Uh, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors for you now, real quick. Starting with North River Dental Associates and the doctor Jack Smalley. Make sure you get your teeth cleaned twice a year. Make sure you get it done over at Doctor Jack's. A clean, state-of-the-art office. All the latest technology. Very friendly staff. Uh, the appointments can be made at 205-752-3506. You can also go to NorthRiverDentist.com on the web for an appointment. For all your dental needs, your family's dental needs, go see Dr. Jack at North River. 1100 Fairfax Park, uh, right off of McFarland Boulevard. We also want to thank Urban Cookhouse, the outstanding farm-to-fire-to-table restaurant at 1490 North Bank Parkway. It's right off of Rice Mine Road near that 82 interchange. Vince Hunter and his staff keep a clean place. You can hardly ever see a speck of dust in there uh, when you walk into Urban Cookhouse, and they got those big green egg smokers firing up all the meat. You just can't beat it. Uh, the pepper patch salad, one that you need to uh, check out as well. Black beans, corn, red onion. Yeah, Travis has had that one. Uh, black beans, corn, red onion, tomatoes, pepper jack cheese, roasted jalapeno vinaigrette if you're looking to eat light. And, of course, if you're looking for some heavy food, uh, they got some fork and knife plates, some sandwiches uh, that are outstanding as well. It's Urban Cookhouse 
and I'll turn it over to you, Travis. It's good stuff. That pepper patch salad you were talking about, I you can get it in a wrap. So yep. get that sucker in a wrap, get you a side of fruit. Like Chase said, if you want to go light, that is the route right there. I'm going to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there at 3200 Skyland Boulevard East. That's where you're going to find the very best selection of automobiles, both new and certified pre-owned, waiting for you at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Go to MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com right now while you're listening to this very here podcast, and you can check out the entire inventory that sits on the lot today at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com first, then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. also want to tell you about our good friends at Carty and Lloyd, Attorneys at Law, right there in downtown Tuscaloosa, more than a billboard along 2059. These are reputable, well-known Tuscaloosa longtime residents in Mike Carty and John Lloyd. And between them, you're teaming with a pair of attorneys who have a combined 60-plus years of legal experience between them. The phone number to call, 205-759-1554. Also, check out the website, www.cartlloydlaw.com. That's Carty and Lloyd, Attorneys at Law. Talking Tide Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. We move on, Travis, with a couple of topics before we close out this edition of the top, uh, the Talking Tide Podcast. One, uh, the early NFL draft announcements for the Crimson Tide. Those have just come down uh, here in the last couple of hours as we record. Uh, and also the Jalen Hurts transfer portal news. Uh, we'll jump into that real quickly before we let our listeners go. Starting, though, Travis, with... Uh, these NFL exits, four of them announced. Quinnen Williams, Jonah Williams, Irv Smith, uh, all moving on. Uh, your thoughts, uh, I guess, and Josh Jacobs, the running back as well. Uh, your thoughts on those four, and, and but not just those, but the guys coming back. It looks like uh, some guys that had a great chance to turn pro were headed back. I think Alabama came out of that thing pretty good, Chase. Um, now, we still have until Monday for that deadline. So Deontay Thompson at last check was still torn between going or staying. So if you get Deontay Thompson back to go along with, assumingly, uh, uh, Anthony Jennings at, at outside linebacker, defensively is where you needed returning playmakers to come back the most. And other than Quinnen Williams, which obviously is a huge one, probably the biggest one in all of college football this season. Raquan Davis coming back, uh, Trayvon Diggs coming back at corner. I mean, you can see where this 2019 defense might actually be on the upswing, especially when you throw Terrell Lewis in there with Christopher Allen getting healthy off those knee injuries at outside linebacker. So all in all, uh, offensively, you kind of expected what happened. I, I think, and you tell me if I'm crazy, I think the biggest loss on offense might actually be Irv Smith Jr. Because you have to combine him with Hale Hentges. And so they lose those top two tight ends who they still utilize a great deal. And what I'm speaking to more so is the drop-off. You know, I don't think even the drop-off from Jonah Williams to his successor or, you know, what Alabama returns at running back with even Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris leaving is as great as what it might be uh, not only with the first tight end, uh, but the second, because two tight ends are needed in this offense. No doubt about it. And I guess if there's any good news in that is that 
the, if they can just find a guy that can get the job done as a blocker at tight end, you're not gonna you're not gonna come behind Irv Smith with another Irv Smith as a as a receiver. Uh, but they're so explosive at wide out blocking. I think is obviously going to be the main thing for that tight end. If it gives them some uh, you know some offensive production in terms of receptions, all the better. Uh, but the blocker, that's what they got to nail down at that spot. Yeah, it, it, it's very, very important. And Herb Smith had really improved. Hale Hentges, that was his primary obligation, although his efficiency as a pass catcher was really good when you talk about uh, receptions to touchdown catches. Uh, but Miller Forrestal, yeah, he, he's a guy that's going to have to step forward there. You wonder about Kedrick James. He's looking at an NCAA suspension during the college football playoff, had some issues even before that. Uh, very talented, has the, the physical attributes you absolutely look for in a tight end in this offense. But going into spring, it's going to be Miller Forrestal, Major Tennyson, and then trying to figure some things out at that position. Probably one of the most striking things about this list, Travis, of guys who decided to go and stay. And as you noted, there's still a few more days for uh, somebody to move from one side of the fence to the other, perhaps Deontay Thompson. But looking at it as it stands right now after these four announcements uh, today, what stands out to me is that the two guys who were thought to be the most surefire exits uh, back in the summer when – uh, you, you know, when projections were being made on, on draftable underclassmen, uh, they're both coming back. And I'm talking about Raekwon Davis and Mac Wilson. I mean, if you'd, if you'd looked at, uh, you know, some of the NFL draft prospect lists that you see, uh, you know, over the summer for various teams and looked at one for Alabama, well, you'd see, you'd have seen Ra- Mac Wilson and Raekwon Davis right there at the top with Jonah Williams. Uh, and uh, turns out they both end up coming back, both uh, with seasons that uh, probably not what they had hoped for. Uh, so it just goes to show what a difference a season can make for a lot of these guys in both directions. Oh, uh, there's no doubt, absolutely no doubt about it. And you know what can happen within a season, Chase. Um, you know Deontay Thompson in September, there was a lot of buzz uh, about him as a first round guy. Um, but as the season wore on, that seemed to dissipate. So, yeah, I mean, it can change month to month, season to season. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, again, if, if the pieces fall into place like they might, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Alabama has to feel okay uh, about what is happening here, uh, especially when you think ahead of year, Chase. What's that conga line at that podium over at the uh, Malmore Athletic Facility going to look like when they roll up to the podium next year, huh? Oh, they're going to need a oh. few extra chairs. You know, they got those they got those chairs set up for that yeah. press conference every year. The boys yeah. run in there and count those chairs. Yeah, you might you might need a, a shrink's couch for Nick to lay on. You know, while they do that, you might need some therapy after the boys roll up to that podium next year. Jalen Hurts, Travis, in the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, uh, news that certainly was widely expected. Your thoughts on, I guess, what his options might be? You you wonder if the University of Miami now, oh, yeah. with Dan Enos headed there, that's got to be the first school that, that comes to mind. But uh, he's going to have, I think Oklahoma has been kicked around with him as well. Uh, he's going to have plenty of good options. Uh, and you're right. I mean, how does Miami not come to mind? Package deal. Um, and Miami certainly needs help at the quarterback position. If you want to know uh, what precipitated uh, 
uh, Mark Rick's retirement, quote unquote retirement. Uh, it was quarterback play as much as anything the last couple of years. So uh, it, those dots make sense to connect on on several levels. So uh, he's got options. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Uh, but right now, uh, as fresh as this Enos news is, uh, Coral Gables makes a lot of sense for, for Jalen Hurts. How do you think his game translates over in the ACC? I mean, I mean it's it's, uh, it's a heck of a league for sure. The competition in the NCAA, in, in the ACC is is in, I think it's gotten hotter uh, in recent years. Some some programs still up and down, but he'd be a fun watch in that league. I think he'd do a lot of damage. Well, I, I think he would make the league itself a lot more watchable right now, right? I mean, gosh, when you think about the week to week situation of that league. Yeah, Clemson's great, but is there any other reason to watch ACC football right now? So it wouldn't just be Clemson's about Clemson's Godzilla. That's what I mean. It wouldn't just be about well, Miami. I would watch it, the ACC right now. Is thinking, yeah, Jalen. You know, the, 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 if you're the the league, you're you're hoping that Jalen Hurts goes to Miami. Yeah. Be keeping an eye on that for sure. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I uh, will be back with another one here in a week or so. Thanks for joining us right here at podbean.com.